You're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. I'm your host, Megan DiMartino, and today is Friday, and I am so excited to introduce you to my fabulous guest, Sherry Matthews. But before we do, I'd like to share a little bit about Unique Leaders Live. I have been a product developer and a uh, esthetician and spa builder for many, many years. And I have built many teams throughout these years. And in building those teams, I realized that my purpose is you, to bring information to you. And during the uh, pandemic of 2020, I started interviewing people and it really resonated with people because my guests, success is in their story. People ask me all the time, and I'm sure people ask Sherry all the time, and I assure you they ask Sherry because she's a genius and just an amazing individual. But people ask me all the time, I could never do what you do. How did you do it? It's not about that I just started here. It's this, this story is where it all resonates. So I want you to sit back and enjoy Sherry Matthews' story. I'm not going to ramble off her bio. It's in the text of the promotion, and you'll see it uh, before the podcast and the replay. But during Sherry's story, uh, as she shares and it unfolds, you'll glean that information about the amazing things that this woman has done, accomplished, and triumphed through. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to my guest, Sherry Matthews. Hey. Hello. Hello. Good Hello. to have you. To Thank have you, you for that intro. Well, as I shared, the unique leaders really, Sherry, started the week after Easter last year. Mm-hmm. And um, I was on Facebook on Easter Sunday, and I saw a gal that you probably know, a Stephanie Lapopoulos, uh, LeBaron, and mm-hmm. she's a, a video gal. And she mentioned in that that she was going to uh, start a a journal, not a journal, a directory for alternative medicine practitioners because her son had, you know, a lot of challenges. So that I I read that and I said, wow. And I uh, messaged her and I said, would you like, because we were playing around with StreamYard at that time. And I said, would you be interested in coming on? And she said, absolutely. So she was my first guest. Yeah, and and what was so interesting, Sherry, is that when uh, because again, it's all about you. It's not about me. It's about you and your story. And so when uh, uh, Stephanie is shared, it went through the roof of people listening. And I said, no. "Wow, we we've touched something here." And so from there, we just continued on. So with that, I'd like you to go back to young Sherry. Where did you grow up? A little bit about your family and your own goals, dreams, and aspirations that you remember as a young gal. Okay, well, I um, was born in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And, um, you know, got to learn, I was a daddy's girl. So actually learned to 
play with my dad, I had to learn all his fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was a uh, water skiing. I mean, I was slaloming at uh, seven years of age, uh, you know, going off the mountains and snow skiing. Of course, snow is a big deal in Canada. So you, you learn how to play. Um, but my mom and my, my dad uh, separated when I was seven. Mm-hmm. And that's when it wasn't like cool. I mean, like, not that it's ever cool. What I mean is nobody else seemed to have been going through this. I was by myself. And um, I think that was the first step into independent thinking. Um, You got to figure this out because you didn't, I didn't have my mom to make make everything absolutely perfect because my father worked very hard. So sometimes even a beginning like that can actually start the thought process that I have to be a little independent, possibly, you know, make my own sandwich. And, and so, um, it was, it was fine. They were very good friends. They just separated. Uh And, but I do remember that being a weird, weird feeling of being like all by myself. And I didn't want to tell people. And it was, a, a, a you know, a while ago before uh, today, it's a very common, prevalent thing. But what you shared there, the nugget that you shared, Sherry, which resonates with so many. I mean, I am a divorced person uh, with two children. Um, and what resonates with so many is that you have that commonality. And it wasn't easy, even though your parents were nice people and good people and were there for you. It's but but through that adversity started that thinking of that independence. It did. And I'm just going to tell you a a weird little story about it. It It's the first day I came home from school for lunch. Mm -hmm. And um, my routine was to watch Fred Flintstone and my mom my loving mom would make me my favorite sandwich with little cookies on the side and a little this and that. And I actually went home for lunch, turned on the TV and sat there and waited like I always do. And I'm like, I'm starving. Oh, wow. If I don't make a sandwich for myself, I'm going back to school hungry. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a thing at seven. But then I kind of went back to school and I had to like, I think be try to be more accepted to adapt to the secret that my family was broken. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's and I think that's the heart thing of this. Yeah. Uh, and it's not di- any different today. It's what children do carry with them, and I see a thread from there, Miss Sherry. See, I shared with you. It's those yeah. pieces that um, I truly do see. So that you were seven. And so you're in Ontario. When did you move to the States? And how did that evolve? Oh, do you really want to know that? Did you go to college in? um, No, 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 no. I was in school. This is my weird family. My father was an architect, a very successful architect. And so my little sister went with my mom, and I went with my dad. And I came home from school one day, I think I was uh, maybe 13 and it snowed in April mm-hmm. and my dad had planted all these tulips and I'm just not even kidding about this mm-hmm. and it snowed and he came home and he had to shovel snow in April away from his broken tulips. And he said, that's it. We're moving to Florida. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, we had a boat. We, piled everything up in the boat and we head to Florida. He goes, tell your teacher tomorrow you won't be back. Oh my. 
Yeah. ADD dad. Okay. I mean, like, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. Just, so, you. Just you or your sister? No. And his, uh, his other, his new wife. Mm -hmm. And then my hamster. So that was the, and we had to hide it because, of course, you were taking it across the border. So it was in a boat in the front. I mean, that's crazy talk, right? But that's, that's, yep. No, but that's life, Sherry. That is life. <laughs> I mean, I moved my daughter, who was 11, from New York to Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, yeah, different she like that. Yeah. Never forgiven me for it, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I it's part of the journey. So, at first, I was kind of like, so I'm in another country and I'm away from my mom and my little sister. So, it was hard. Mm -hmm. But as you see these steps going on, the, the taking the risk and taking the shot ended up being a, an amazing mosaic of life and journey. So, I love how you put that because that is truly what my spirit owns. It owns. It just doesn't yeah. say uh, it owns. So yeah. now you're in Florida and mm -hmm. the Sunshine State, and mm -hmm. uh, you're settling in with your dad and stepmom and your hamster, and uh, <laughs> and your hamster. So yeah. you um, then went to school there, obviously, and you went to college in. Florida or where did you go to college? Yeah, I went to college in Florida. My father was uh, very, very, um, very wealthy, well, well off. Um, and but he did not believe in giving. Uh, you had to make your own way. So I was literally working two jobs and uh, shoe gooing. Do you know what shoe goo is? Not a clue. It's it's a it's glue that you put on when your soles of your shoes have a hole. Okay. So. I would patch these shoes that were my roommate's hand-me-downs because she was able to get leather shoes. And then when I take my friends to my house, my father's house, they're like, I don't, I don't understand this. Because like he had a pool table in a room that's most people's size of a house. Like it, mm -hmm. it, it just didn't match. But I didn't know any different. I just like, okay, we have to make it on our own. Mm -hmm. So I was working two jobs. I went into school. I studied computer engineering and technology. I was interviewed by IBM inside the school. And Westinghouse was next. And uh, Texas Instruments was next. And I told the IBM interviewer that, I will not be working for any other company. I will only work for IBM because I have so much respect for the way you operate as a company in your origin. And so that's it. I'm going to um, only work for you. And he's like, so it doesn't work that way. I'm interviewing you and, and you get to, you get to, uh, <laughs> I get to choose you. You don't choose me. And I'm like, sir, I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to go find a different career. In computer engineering, I am not working for Westinghouse. Nothing against Westinghouse. I just wanted to work for IBM. The pinnacle. The Yes, yes. You knew the best. And Look so what Carly. happened with that interview? Yeah. So he started laughing. And he said, well, I see you're working two, two jobs and you're full, holding a 4.0. And that's not easy to do. So your work ethic is there. And he said, uh, we're going to fly you up next week. So I was... Uh, went into the interview in IBM and was terrified, but um, I really enjoyed it. It felt like I was home mm -hmm. and it was all these science people and all these technical people. And I'm just like, wow, there's other people like this, you know? So um, 
when I got hired and I moved everything from Florida, they actually put me up in a hotel and I had like lobster dinner for like almost a month. I had all this stuff. They took very good care of me. And um, that's how I started my career inside of, you know, IBM. And was that in New York? So that was, yeah, Burlington, Vermont. Burlington. So think about it. I go from Canada to Florida, Florida, right? Mm -hmm. Back into the snow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you were comfortable with that because you had had that experience a bit. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to tell you that was some of the interviewing because they do a lot of testing. They do a lot of they did a lot of profiling to find out, you know, personality types and your skill sets and what you're good at and what areas you're not. But snow was a big deal. They said, do you play in the snow? Do you ski? Do you? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. I love the snow. I'm trying to get hired. Right. So even if, even if I hated the snow, I love the snow. Yes, I love making snowmen. Yes, yes, yes. With uh, white shirts on, right? With IBM. Anything. Anything. Anything <laughs> to get the job. So now you're in your dream job. Don't have to go to Westinghouse. You're in the snow. And um, just share with, you know, be- well, what year was this, Sherry? What year was this about? I was 22, so born in 60, so 82. 82. Okay. So in 82, there were very few women in IBM. Um, Fewer women ever to get into R&D and Mm -hmm. the inventive area. Mm -hmm. So like, okay, fewer means none. I didn't want to zero it out, but yeah. I assume that. Yes. Well. Yeah. So yeah. that was a challenge. But, you know, if anybody's seen Hidden Figures, it's not to that level. Mm-hmm. But those uh, absolutely beautiful pioneers paved the way. Thank so I, I tested in there and I had that opportunity to be in that area. But I'm going to tell you. Oh, it was hard because I felt like I know you're thinking I'm the token girl, but I actually tested in here and I can do the work. Right. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you overextend and you do more than everybody else. And guess what? That's still not good. It's it's like it never is enough. You can't feel that way. Do you looking back? I mean, we know more today. But do you did they accept you for um, or was that within you? Because I do feel that women still today feel that, that it's never enough. So what do you think? I mean, did they were, obviously you were doing your job because I know you. So uh, you, and, and then some, but, but. Yeah. So I already know that answer. Mm-hmm. And the answer is absolutely not that I fit in and I was a token girl. So what I got to do is do the presentations of our R and D. So what used to make me almost pass out and almost get physically ill is I had to stand in front of the boardroom Okay, and I had to uh, present our findings. So what was going in my head is, okay, so like I had hair down my back and I I was like 118 pounds. I was just young and I'm just like, how are these like MIT brainiac professor people even going to listen to me? Mm -hmm. So, Megan, I want to share the game changer attitude that I had. Okay, I had to convert the fear like if you go jump off a cliff and skis. Mm-hmm. You are afraid, but I have skills. Okay. So I I have a great chance of not dying, but I have a better chance of it just enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. So I convert the fear on the top of the mountain to excitement. And so I, I coached myself that, okay, now you feel terrified, but turn it into excitement. 
Okay. So I get up there with this new attitude because the first ones did not go well. Uh, they said, Oh, you're like a news lady or a report, a weather reporter is what I got. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm a science head. <laughs> so this is what I said. And I promise you, I get in there to do my presentation and they start looking at their watch. Like, okay, hurry up. Yep. Here we go. We have to be here. Right. And I said, gentlemen, I just have one question for you. Please may I have your attention. So they look up and I said, please judge me on my brain and not the way I pee. Wow. So they all started breaking out laughing. They're slamming the table. They were cheering. I was like, oh, is it because I said pee? I mean, I don't know. But it was a game changer because I showed confidence mm-hmm. and my energy person knew that I had value. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't this scared little girl anymore. I was, I had something. Yeah, I had something. And I, I converted the energy of fear into pumped and excited, and I'm going to change things. So share with our guests the, um, I don't want to say the word, but because I don't want to give away the story, but the invention story. Yes. So one of my challenges, my very first challenge, it was um, back in the boardroom with all these men. Are I mean, they had the bow ties and they were professors, MIT, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant men. And uh, so I'm in there and I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun and exciting. And, and I get there because I'm thinking I'm getting like accepted. I'm thinking I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of happy. Right. Mm-hmm. And then this is what happened to me. They held up a stapler like that. Okay. They put it in my hand. I'm like, oh, what's this all about? And they said, you have one minute to reinvent the stapler. I'm like, one minute to reinvent something that works. Yay. (laughs) because typically people like broken things so they can fix things but your my brain shut down immediately and say you can't fix something that works that's not broken i can't identify a problem the stapler works but that's already taking up 30 seconds of my time Mm -hmm. so i remember that the office managers back in the day used to have to staple papers you'd hear them all down the hall then they give you a stack of papers at the end of the day that was our email okay and i remember one conversation when i was in lunch line to get a salad and a lady said to her friend my palm of my hand is red raw from stapling Mm -hmm. that came to me really quickly so what i did is i said okay because i don't have long i'll get back here i took the stapler and i put a coaster on it like this. And I said, increase the surface area of the stapler. So it's easier on their hands. So (laughs) I think I shocked them because it got real quiet. They're like, dang, she got it, you know, got some good idea. And actually, I got the little golf clap, which is like the polite, it wasn't like a resounding chair for me. It was like, all right, darn it. She got it. She got something out there, but that was done in one minute. And I just had to like overcome the fear 
um, and, and fix something that was unbroken, which is a challenge every day for all of us. Yes. Because I think that we walk around blind to things that aren't broken, but innovation will actually look at something that actually can even work and make it better. Yes, absolutely, Sherry. I mean, now I, I was sitting here just saying, okay, now I'll let you go. <laughs> Meaning <laughs> because that story is so pivotal to um, so many things. And one, yeah. though, I had a question about the gentleman, the MIT uh, brainiacs. Were they trying to gotcha or were they just trying to um, uh, give you an opportunity to shine? What do you think? It was a gotcha. And, uh, but it's a, a little bit of uh, intellectual hazing, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't take it as a negative. I'm just like, if I'm up for the challenge, I'm up for the challenge. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. No, no, no. So I did. I took it as, um, but I've seen them do it to other men too, like a men. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad I'm not him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but so I think it was okay as an initiation. If you get that close for them to put you in your little clubhouse, um, good. You know, and I was proud of myself. Amen. And so after that, um, that became a product, your your idea. IBM owns everything. Yeah, yes, I do understand (laughs) that. I do understand that. But it did become a product. And so you were um, accepted in the boys club. And you how long were you there at IBM? So the Inventors Club is what I would say, the uh, R&D. Inventors Club. Um, yeah, so that was a kind of a unique little group. But um, I I was there like nine years and uh, met my husband there. He was a, a contractor in there. But I want to tell you something fun about Please. when I was in IBM. Um, so I was actually working on, are you ready for this? The four megabit chip, four megabit chip for NASA. Wow. And it's so weird because when you think about that now, you just wouldn't even buy any, maybe shoelaces with four megabits, <laughs> you know, if they shine and talk to you, right? right exactly. Actually talking, talking shoelaces would be fun for children. So they're not so uh, afraid of them. Anyways. Um, so anyway, so it was like, it was secret. It was like really a cool project. Right. And then I got to get, I was sneaking into this little uh, room where I had to do what's called reverse engineering of the four megabit chip. Our competitor chip was actually four one megabit chips. So just think of four little pennies together Mm -hmm. and they're all intertwined together. Mm -hmm. Ours was like one penny all by itself with the technology on. So that seems superior, but it still has to work. Okay, so I got to be able to reverse engineer the competitor and see where their weaknesses in their processing. It took uh, 14 hours, literally with almost no breaks, no food, no nothing. Just go, go, go. We were on a timeline. And um, what they did with the BitFilm apps, they flipped them and they put a mirror on it. That was their their way to not get hacked and figured out. I figured it out finally. And I ran down this corridor and down the hall. And I was like, got it. We got it. I know where the technology is weak. We, they presented it and we won the contract. Oh, <laughs> Mary Matthews. Wow. That's weird. That's fun. It's more than weird. It's so awesome. Awesome. It's awesome. fun. Yes. Yeah. But it, it is, uh, 
you know, it is again exemplary not only to you but also to to the uh, courage and fortitude and drive, which you know are not negative words. Those are very, very important words to our our beings. Uh, yeah. Very important. And, and not giving up, Megan, as you know, we'll talk a little bit later, is uh, probably the reason why I'm still here talking to you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Amen. So you met, I didn't, you know, I did not know where you met your husband. So there you met your husband. Now, are you still in uh, Vermont? Yes. He uh, went to hold open the door for me. I had already gotten in trouble um, for talking to the contractors and giving, like I had a, a guy fixing our lights and I'm like, Hey, how long have you been an electrician? And like that. Well, um, back in the day, it was kind of a little bit like cast system to be honest with you. And it was sort of like when I was in IBM, I was IBM. That's who you talk to, right? That's, I don't know. Anyway, so there's Adam. He comes down the hall and he's so cute and he opens up the door and I'm like, I see all these cameras everywhere. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to talk to him. And again, I don't want to get in trouble again. Cause I got called down to the HR. <laughs> Meaning for, because you talked to the electrician. Yeah. Because, um, I, I'm just a friendly person and I just wanted him to feel, um, not part of like any discrimination, like whatever. I just wanted everybody to be all happy and just work together. Yeah. Just everybody's everybody. We love all people anyways. So Adam pulls open the door and of course my dad like likes fast cars, fast boats, fast everything. Mm -hmm. So I walk out, there's 7,000 cars out there. And um, he's trying to, you know, talk to me and I'm like trying to like, oh, yes, thank you. Thank you for opening the door. Thank you. And I go in this parking lot. I'm thinking I need to like kind of change the scene here because I'm getting escorted out now. He's trying to talk to me. Right. Mm -hmm. I see this cool car. It was a convertible Porsche, a 64. It was a red convertible Porsche. And I go to change the subject from him trying to, cause I'm waiting for him to say, can I have your number or something like that? Right. Mm -hmm. And there's cameras everywhere. So I didn't want to do that. So I go running over to the car. Look at this car. It's beautiful. I think it's a 64 Porsche. And he says, do you like that car? And I said, I love this car. He goes, Oh, that's good. That's mine. <laughs> So, so I, I go zipping, peeling around and I go get in my, my badass Camaro and, and I, I'm just like, oh my gosh, of all the cars that has to be his really. Heaven's <laughs> gates just opened. Yes. That's how we met. Now, um, you have some amazing photos there. So about uh, Joan Jett and your uh, that period. Where does that fit into this? Oh, actually, when I became an entrepreneur. So that's like um, after okay. IBM, I went into teaching so we can walk into that. But I think everybody will like it. I like it. It's fun. Mm -hmm. um, but so, yes, after IBM, I went into uh, teaching because I felt it was a very noble cause. So it wasn't um, it's a way to give back. And, and at that time we had two small children mm -hmm. and I, I just wanted to be kind of like part of their environment and, you know, give value, help other children learn a curiosity mind. So I went into teaching and, um, taught at, uh, some private schools, not public schools. They were, they were private schools, but, um, mm -hmm. I just have a heart for kids. Are you still in, uh, Vermont? Um, no. We moved away um, because when I was having Ashley, our firstborn, mm -hmm. um, I just felt for me, 
I was not going to put her in a daycare. I know every, many people have to. I get it. I a total compassion. But I was actually ready to live in a tent and eat peanut butter sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And after coming from a very, very successful and very well-rewarded um, company like IBM, and, and I was fast-tracked and I moved into management, which is really hard to do, certainly for a woman. Yes. Um, that was my conviction. Is I wanted to be part of Ashley's like every day. Mm -hmm. So we moved because um, Vermont at that time didn't offer any other positions like for my husband to really grow. Mm -hmm. So he went into waste industry, which is mm -hmm. always a recession proof business. Okay. Very yeah. much so. So you're saying that Adam went into waste management? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that brought you to what, where, what state were you now living in? Oh, we went down to um, Florida. We've been in Ohio. It's, it's a big, long story of moving but around. But um, Florida is, uh, I lived in the Keys. We lived in the Keys at one point. And I went into the school that was there. And they didn't have physical education. They didn't have classical music, like, you know, anything with the arts. They didn't have, because they're just a little island, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, hey, why don't I construct a, this course, that course type of thing like that? And that's how it started. People were bringing their children without shoes. So I'd go to Kmart down in the Keys and get on flip-flops. And then I started in with a, a program to teach children. But then the journey continued, and we're now in the Florida, and I met my best, one of my BFFs forever, um, uh, Benikale. And she came and told me, um, we were out teaching one day, and she came and told me, Aaron Stewart, Payne Stewart's son, mm -hmm. okay, is taking golf lessons. And I'm like, well, that's great. But I'm thinking, yeah, your dad's like the best golfer in the world, so it's kind of yeah. And I said, uh, you know what, Benna, why can't all children learn the game of golf because of the inherent values that you get with golf, which is, you know, the, the values of just you have to call the penalties on yourself. So it's, it's a different type of a sport. And she said, funny, you should say that. Come look at this equipment. So this story is really one that I wanted to share because we started with an idea, a question. Mm -hmm. No facts were around. Nobody's waiting for something. It just popped in my head. Why can't all children learn golf? You know, look at what basketball, volleyball, and soccer's done for our um, underserved children. Mm -hmm. It gets them out of their three-mile radius and into mm -hmm. the big arena and into colleges. So I thought golf, why not? Right? Mm -hmm. So we started with 48 students with this equipment that's modified it's safe it's little tennis ball type things and a uh, one million doors slammed in our face because our goal was let's get into schools that's where the kids are and it's more fair because the public school children uh, many of them absolutely could never get on a golf course mm -hmm. so that's not fair like how it can't be just for those kids right yeah. so we went we finally got into the public schools which is like an act of Congress, because you could be Einstein, you can't teach math. They have their standards, and you know, their mm -hmm. everything's accepted or not accepted. Anyways, we got in. So our 48 students had turned into, when we were done with the First T National School Program, which is what it was called, the First T Chapters, and our program reached 10 million young people. Wow. 
Now we're watching our kids go to college and golf was not on their radar. Amazing. See, we brought in the nine core values, the nine healthy habits, and, oh, by the way, the game of golf. See, children are teachable when they're doing an activity. Mm-hmm. See, it's not just like lecturing them. You need to be honest. You need to have perseverance. No, you teach them while through the activity, then it gets imprinted in them. It's integrating into themselves. It's not the sport. It's becoming them. Yes, and they will utilize that, not only the skill, but the the discipline again, and yeah. the follow through, and uh, then yeah. taking it to other, uh, applying it to other uh, aspects of their life. Wow! They they flew me down to after Katrina, mm-hmm. down to New Orleans, and it was just shambles. And those children, those children were witnessing the whole community stealing, robbing, breaking in doors, looting. Their whole world changed because of the Katrina storm. Mm -hmm. The only people that didn't leave those kids were the physical education teachers. I couldn't believe it. So they sent me down to try to bring in the first T national school program to rebuild the, the, the children and, and put a different governor and thought process in their head. So I just want to tell you that I'm setting up my thing. We had, uh, I think 58, teachers, which is 58,000 children reach, right? And they were telling me these stories and I'm setting up and they're telling me these stories. And I went to stand up and do, hello, my name's Sherry Matthews. I'm da, da, da. And all of a sudden I busted out crying because, and I'll try not to, because, oh. Yeah. Okay. They didn't leave their kids. Mm. Yep. And I said to them, I've never stood in front of so many heroes Mm -hmm. in one room in my entire life. And I am so honored to even stand in the same building with you. What do you think it is about, you said these were physical education teachers. Why are they, because, you know, I think as you're speaking, I'm thinking about coaches I've had in my life. Yeah. My kids have had Mm -hmm. and I've experienced. What is it about that? fiber what is it about that they're kinesthetic learners they touch Mm. and they bond with children a little bit differently than your math teacher i think in some cases okay or maybe all cases Mm -hmm. i'm sorry um i think that a, a physical educated teacher if done correctly you're making the child comfortable in their chariot you're giving them confidence you're giving them skill sets you're giving their body coordination and you only have one chariot to ride around in. Mm-hmm. So if it's uncoordinated and, and you don't have the confidence in it mm-hmm. and you don't stand straight and all this, um, I think you can set yourself up for kind of a, mm, a more difficult ride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think they have a touch. Because you listen to so many people's stories um, about uh, Eric Thomas. I was listening to him the other day and, you know, how they're um, – uh, Shaka Dyson. I mean, how yeah, Shaka. sports, you know, and yeah. the type of dynamic is very pivotal, very, very important into their evolution and their spirits. Yeah. Yeah. So to take these children and watch them go to college with a sport that's not on their radar. Many came out of little trailers, little 
parents maybe if they had parents they have a parent or somebody guardian may not making the best decisions in life mm-hmm. bad role model sometimes right sure. they just switch their brain and I, I was proudly served on the board here in Austin uh, of the first tee of greater Austin and we took children literally off the streets and said look there's another way there's another way so you and Brenna correct it's Brenna is Brenna, 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 yeah. Brenna. You began this structure, this program. Yes. Back, back in the Florida Keys, folks. This is continuing on with or without Miss Sherry Matthews. Yeah. And so if you have that dream in your spirit, yes. don't, like you've said several times throughout this, do not stop. Do not. No. No, it's a burn like Napoleon Hill, it's a burning desire for change and to give back and to help our children. When, why is it okay to quit? Everybody quits on them. Exactly. So we just didn't quit. Mm-hmm. And we had General Colin Powell stand out on the stage and address the good work. That, that we've done, that it was actually presented to, at that time, President Obama and the First Lady mm-hmm. as a top 10 initiatives to help our youth in America. How does that happen when you're out in the middle of the field, you're hot, you're not thinking about changing the world, but you have an idea and you take action. And that's quite a result after taking action. Quite, yeah. quite a result. Wow. <laughs> so you are mama of two children and uh, you are doing, you know, being a wonderful mother and, and wife and your life comes kind of screeching to a real roadblock health wise. Yeah, yeah a, a big bump, a big bump. So I was uh, diagnosed and I was teaching at the time mm-hmm. here in Florida Um I was crazy, but I was, um, I heard those words, guys. I just heard, uh, I'm sorry, but we have to tell you you have breast cancer. I could not receive that information. And I was an organic eater, long distance runner. I would preach to people that would listen, please stop eating junk. Mm -hmm. So like I, it's not a good fit for my brain, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to tell you, you've heard about those uh, falling down the big black um, tunnel, the hole, mm-hmm. and you feel like your arms are flailing around and there's no, and then, then the conversation that follows after you have breast cancer turns into a slur of words. It, it sounded like you're underwater. They're underwater talking to you. I had the real, I guess it's shock. But my body was non-functional. My brain couldn't function anymore. I'm just like, I, I, I can't believe this. But nobody wants to believe that. I, nobody sits there and goes, I'm a good candidate for it. But it's still scary. Yes. But it did, like, just to uh, connect it to IBM, it didn't compute because of all the boxes checked, meaning lifestyle, diet, attitude. You know, it, it didn't compute. But it is... It happened. And so you took that situation, and I'm sure knowing your husband a teeny bit, that he was there 100% for you, 100%. And 
uh, your family was and uh, every, your support system was solid and strong. And so you were able to uh, go into your Sherry Matthews essence. That doesn't make the, the situation any different, does not. And you just like everyone who has had that experience, you had to go through that uh, surgery and so forth. But you took that experience like the I'm not equating it with the golf at all, but meaning a, a need. And you took that need and uh, turned it into an extraordinary uh, blessing for so many others. Well, thank share. you. Thank you. And yes, uh, I went into warrior mode because it felt like if somebody's breaking into your house, would you curl up in a ball on the couch or would you do something? Mm. So I, I'm an action girl. So I actually was diagnosed first in my right side. Mm -hmm. And um, back in the day, um, they said, we're just going to do this particular procedure. And I actually did uh, research, 48 pages, and I went to the surgeon, the oncologist, and we fought to have their attention. And I said, all my studies from all over the world indicate this is a bilateral disease. No, you have no cancer on your left side. And I said, but, but it is. It's a mirroring type of a cancer, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I fought for double mastectomy, which sounds so weird. Back in the day, they said, um, we don't take off healthy body parts, so this is not going to happen. And I said, it, it has to happen. This is a bilateral. Anyways, I won my case. Hmm. It feels so bad to say, don't just take off one arm, take off two. Like, it just, come on. Like, how do you fight for more of that surgery? Okay, so... Um, I won that case, and so I had a double mastectomy. And nothing can really prepare you for what that actually feels uh, emotionally and spiritually, okay? But they tell you to bring a husband's dress shirt, just something big and loose and blah, 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 blah. So I'm not thinking. I grabbed what they said, and uh, my lipstick, I had lipstick. So as soon as I opened up one eye after the surgery, I whispered to my husband, and my best friend was there, Um and uh, I said, pass me my lipstick. <laughs> I don't want to look dead. <laughs> and so so I, what I want to say about that is you still want to look like a lady. You want to look Amen. okay, right? Mm -hmm. So she tried to get me dressed in my husband's dress shirt. And I got sick all over it because it's too much movement. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then she got mad at me. And she says, what did you bring this for? And I said, um... Wow. Okay. So I don't know. First mastectomy. Uh, and why don't you, why don't you um, have something for me? So I don't have to get in trouble for bringing the wrong thing. I said, okay, so what do women do? Because, you know, um, obviously I screwed up because now I feel sick. I, I, I got puke on my shirt. I mean, they're bad. Mm -hmm. Plus don't look at it. Right. Mm -hmm. She said these most, inflame words to me and certainly down my pathway. She says, women have always just figured it out. I said, so you don't have anything for me to go home in. And she said, don't, don't worry. We'll give you safety pins. And I said, safety pins for what? She goes, Oh, look on your sides. You have medical drains sewn into your body 
and they look like little grenades on the end and they're to remove the fluid. So they're very necessary. But I'm like, she put one in one hand, another one in the other hand. I've got a puke turn on. I'm starting to hyperventilate because I said, ma'am, I need my hands. What do you have? How do I do this? I need my hands. I got to use my hands. She goes, I'll get you some safety pins. And I said, safety pins are not post-medical gear. Safety pins, I'm going to, I'm walking into my house with a throw-up shirt, medical drains, body fluids dripping out on the outside of my shirt, safety pinned. Wow. Can cancer get any harder? Right? So um, I laid in my shirt because uh, I couldn't look. I didn't want my husband to even, I just, oh, it's just so hard for me. And I, sh- I shuffled into my a closet with my puke shirt and I looked and I looked at my clothes. I have either rock and roll clothes, motorcycle clothes, Chanel, or just like, or golf. Nothing fits for this new tube. And I, and I, that's the only time I cried in cancer. It, this is just too much. This is just too hard. Mm-hmm. So I, I laid back down my picture and I said, Oh dear Lord, if I can fix this for anybody else, please let me do this, please. So, um, I was still a little prideful, but I came to Austin. I prideful in the sense of I didn't really want to talk about cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I didn't want to um, let people know I had a double mastectomy because honestly, Megan, when I say that, mm-hmm. they look straight at your breasts. Oh, wow. I'm no longer uh, up here. Mm-hmm. I'm there because they're trying to figure all that out. And that was really embarrassing to me. Mm-hmm. So I had trouble saying anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm just praying about this. I'm praying, praying, praying. Give me this. There's a problem with me with this solution. I failed home ec. It's the only class that I failed because I staple and I glue. I'm not capable of sewing for some reason. I'm bad at it. I couldn't fix my children's teddy bears real well. It looked bad. It looked like they did it. Mm-hmm. It's just not my thing. Okay. But I watched Coco Chanel three times. I'm like, oh, you can be a boss of fabric. I get to be uh, an inventor of fabric, wow. you know, of my idea. So I put down this prototype thing together. I iron, I stitched, not stitched like that, but I did these little um, iron on and things like that. I had a prototype that I went to join fabrics and I go to the, like a little, you know, help me make another one of these. 24 hours later, after I made my prototype, somebody put me on TV, Fox News. They said, we hear that you've invented. Uh, I'm like, no, this is how it started. So in my heart, to give back to children, I said, if I don't use my own resources and I just take $1,000, I'm just going to help 100 patients with this solution mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so that was my goal because i wanted to stand on a stage or go in the classes and say you too can make a change mm-hmm. i helped a hundred patients with a thousand dollars i started a business i did a dba i did my vista print i did all these things right. wow. um so the long story in short with that one is my one thousand dollars to help 100 patients has now turned in god still got me in it is uh, turned into forty-one thousand souls I have factories. I've worked with Damon John's group. Um, I've won awards. Austin Woman Business Awards was my very first award I won. And I turned that money into writing a patent. 
I had to write my own patent because I, I'm bootstrapping. Mm-hmm. So I didn't just clap my hands and go have these yeah. attorneys. Mm-hmm. So I did it. And so now it's a solution that's been used all over, uh, helped a lot of people. That's like half of UT Stadium. It's a lot of souls. Exactly. I mean, what, you know, I was going to say that if you think about 41 million people, 41,000, I'm sorry. Yeah. That is a million. That's going to happen though, Sherry. Yeah. I hope so. Yes. That's going to happen. But, uh, 41, that, uh, oh my gosh, that is, Yes. But it also shares, not shares, but it, it really is emblematic of how widespread this situation is. This situation yeah, is, you know? it's, yeah, it's like, and the thing is, this is what made me crazy, guys. It's this, a sprained elbow receives a sling without even asking to recover in. A woman's literally, and a man, men get cancer too, breast cancer, a man, a woman literally butchered, altered for life gets a pair of safety pins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is my battle. That is the war path that I'm on. So I named my company Heal in Comfort. I trademark a, a, basically a sentence because I didn't want to be um, getting into anybody else's type of, you know, where you can get challenged. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I did not heal in comfort, so I'm going to call it Heal in Comfort. That's where the name came from. Mm-hmm. Because I'm now, trying to solve know, it now. Uh, the like you mentioned, Damon Johns and and the forty-one um, million. I mean, thousand. thousand. Uh, see, I'm projecting. You're a prophesying. Yeah. I, I am. I like it. When we spoke recently, um, you shared that, like you just said about you know broken elbow and you get a brace. Um, and so forth. And it's, so has that changed at all today? Or is it still the safety pin route? And or has this infiltrated some hospital structures? So yes, I have some mostly plastic surgeons mm-hmm. actually are actually buying the, the antiquated system of medical uh, supplies. The medical distribution company is like basically trying to pivot and steer the Titanic. It's really hard to take a right-hand turn. I'm considered a street vendor. So the goal is that somebody bigger than me can take this to the masses because I too share that dream that you've just said. And maybe one day it'll be, not that you want uh, that many people to have to deal with this, but I'm also helping organ transplant, shoulder surgery, heart surgery, and, you know, even hospice care, stroke victims, you know, people in the military with one arm. So it has other purposes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually way better than a sling. I just need someone to scoop me up and take it, take it to the yes. next level. Well, hopefully, you know, not just this little show, but yes, I mean, th- that's someone. But I actually have an idea because, again, I was in the um, indirectly the medical world a, a tad because my dad um, had a paper company. And um, so I worked in the beauty side but uh, of products, but uh, they were converters and they manufactured to this day. Uh, my father's no longer with us, but my brother runs this and uh, works with a lot of those companies that you're speaking about or have spoken about, uh, but bite winged halves and um, smear slides and plastic cover, wow. plastic cover slides. So I'm going to contact my brother and see if he has any thoughts because of connections, because it does. It needs to get to that 41 million. 
Yeah, I think you actually have it. I'm just going to set that one in there. And you know what? Again, it comes up with this one question. This is what I really want people to hear, that don't just go. See, the the nurse made me shock Mm -hmm. out of doing what I'm told. She shocked me by saying, no, we do not provide any any standard fair for all uh, garment, which means you can actually look like a person and not a science experiment. Mm-hmm. People with lots of uh, a wealthy insurance, they can get a bra, but you're still not going to go to the door with a bra. Yeah. But that and guess what? When you have your breast removed, you don't need a bra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets that. Mm-hmm. But uh, in fact, you don't even want to blow air on anything okay and so um the the thing is like it's a, it's a solution and it just needs to go somewhere else yes we'll work on and, that i'm gonna okay that into my you're learning a little bit about me you know with uh our sweet friend nick and when i put my mind to something like that oh uh, nick's uh, an angel so yeah. let's uh, so with that uh yes nick austin and we're not broken. Yes. But let's talk about Eli for a minute before. Yes. Yes. Because it, it ties into healing comfort. Uh, and But share with um, our guests about that. Okay. So this is, I'll try to do it quickly. I know we're running out of time. But so always add value to everything you do in life. I know that my proof of concept, okay, after taking an idea, making a prototype, turned to 41,000. That's a proof of concept. So that means people are looking at that. But I'm thinking, I feel like people are still frozen in fear and Google themselves to death, Mm -hmm. trying to figure an answer out. So I met Jan, our friend Jan, and we were at one of Melinda's uh, Austin Woman Magazine parties. And I said, just give me the high level. What are you into now? What are you doing? Because I love the pitches. I love the pitches. This is what I do, right? Mm -hmm. She does, goes, she downloads everything about Eli. Eli looks like a QR code, but in the back end, it does not operate like a QR code. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. So I would like to talk to Rick at the time when Rick was with us. And I would like to try this out because if I could add um, a hand curated back end mm-hmm. in a QR code, I can put it on my products and I can help people. So I have a little treat there. If anybody's able to, I'm going to hold it up. And all I need to, if anybody's able to, um, Take your phone, put it in camera mode, and I'm going to provide added value. What I'm going to give you is at least $1 billion worth of free, gifted content to help any cancer patient, but mostly breast cancer patient. So I'm going to hold it up, and people can actually take their, oops, right, take their phone, and they can point it at this code, and boom, faster than lightning, you will have access to hand curated platforms from all over the world. Megan, I've got IBM Watson on there. I have products uh, in platforms to help clinical trials. I've hand curated explainer videos so people can see what's happening to their body. There's too many unknowns, but guess what? I got one more thing. I have some shirts actually with Eli on the shirt. So now when the patients in the, in the privacy of their own home, they can scan their shirt and in the privacy of their own home, 
understand what telemedicine is. Mm-hmm. I understand what just happened to my body. What was this lumpectomy? What was this mastectomy? Mm-hmm. I'm in a bigger trouble. I need clinical trials. Where do I go? What does IBM Watson have for me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All in the privacy of their own home. There is no tracking. I'm not grabbing them. I'm not this. It's free. And like you said, no Googling to death. You are giving them the information that they need that moment to give them hope and possibilities and understanding. Yes. And knowledge because knowledge and feeling like you can do something about this very difficult situation Mm -hmm. is the game changer spiritually. Yes. Because you cannot just do what they say and led like a sheep. You've got to at least know why you're doing this medicine, why you have to have surgery because then you feel like a participant and not just like, I don't know. When they feel out of control, we lose them. We lose them emotionally, spiritually, and often in physical form. Physical form, yes. So, you know, Sherry, like you said, we're um, finishing uh, up our time together. We could talk forever and ever. Forever. Um, And we will continue this. And uh, as I said, you've got my brain going here uh, with some ideas. But um, I always end this way. And our dear friend, Sharon Lecter, um, and, you know, solve a problem, serve a need. But I always ask my guests to answer the same question. And it comes from three feet from gold. And it is the success formula. And I know you're familiar with it, but it is your passion plus talent times association times action plus faith equals success. Now, I'm not going to ask you all of those, but I ask everyone. And you've basically answered this, but I want you to crystallize it. Uh, What is your passion and what is your talent? My passion is to leave the campsite cleaner than when I came, to honor God with my life. And my talent is one thing, and that is solving problems. But when the passion is the drive to use your talent, Mm -hmm. God opens the windows of heaven and blessings come down. And so it's never a prideful thing. It's a thank you for using me. I will, I I chase one trophy, Megan, and that is when it's all done, when I take my last breath, I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So we're here for one another. And as my husband, Paul Tyler, would say, good job, honey. <laughs> so you're doing a good job. So, Sherry, thank you for joining us today. Thank really, you. it's been a blessing. And I've, uh, you know, as I shared with you before, we began in the green room that uh, always learn something personally. And I know that you sharing your story from young Sherry through will give other people that understanding that they, too, they may not be an IBM uh, scientist. No but that they, if they start with their dream and continue on, they too will um, actualize that dream goal. Absolutely. And my little sister's an entrepreneur too, so there should be maybe some DNA in there that keeps us going. (laughs) Amen. Hang in there at the green room for a minute and we'll be right back. You're amazing. Thank you, Megan. I love this podcast. I love what you're doing. I feel like you're right in your sweet spot. I love it. Thank you, Sherry. See you in a minute. Okay. Wow. What a...
special session, Sherry Matthews. I truly, truly thank her for joining myself and you with Unique Leaders. So today I just have a few things to ask you to help us get the word out about Unique Leaders. First off, this is streaming on all platforms. It's on YouTube. So go to YouTube and subscribe. And you can not only um, see this uh, uh, session segment of Unique Leaders, but all of the other guests that I've had on Unique Leaders. Also, if uh, know that it will be a podcast by next week. And so share that as well when it comes up on my Facebook page, but know that it's going to be on all the um, podcast platforms. And then lastly, go to my page, Meg, official Megan Martino. <clears throat> excuse me, this has come on that, but also on YouTube and my personal page. But we're trying to get people over to my business page, which is official Megan Martino, and it will be on Instagram as well with the podcast next week. So lots of information there, but it truly will help us if you could share this right now, this live out and share some hearts and all of that. It truly helps find us. So until next week, when we have Bill Walsh, the amazing Bill Walsh, the uh, innovator and um, business coach extraordinaire. So we will see you next week on Unique Leaders Live with Bill Walsh. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you, my book, hope and possibilities just over the horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.